0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I am talking to the founder and president of a company called Spots. Welcome to the show, James Jackson.
1: Thanks, Lance. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to do this.
0: Yeah, so this is an episode that I think is going to be smothered in grit and determination as an entrepreneur. Uh, and we'll get into that in a minute because you've got a heck of a story. But in terms of the way we like to start these shows, is just a really launch into some great advice for entrepreneurs. And so I like to ask, what are three things that you think every entrepreneur out there really needs to understand or could learn from your experiences as an entrepreneur over all these years?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's, there's a couple key things for me that, that matter a lot. And one thing, you know, maybe it's a point in my career, but one of the biggest things I think you need to understand before you go on that journey is know who you are, but yep. also know who you aren't. And it's probably um, more important the latter. Um, you know, it's really critical that if you're going to build something, you know where to fill in the gaps, whether you're weak and that you can be honest about that. Um, yeah. So that's one I, the one Love I always it. say is, is uh, it's, it's going to be a hundred thousand million times harder than you think, so be prepared. <laughs> uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, do the work, work out <laughs> uh, in all those areas uh, because it's going to be trying. It's going to be difficult, and then you know I, I think you know one of the last things is for me is just to lean on the network that you built and ask a lot of questions, mm-hmm. dig. Um, don't be Don't think you have all the right answers, so you want to stick to what you know to be true about what you're trying to achieve, Uh, but don't be so rigid in it that you're not paying attention to obvious signs and and help and flexibility out there. So lean on your friends, be ready for a, a hard battle, and just know who you are
0: yeah so i i'm curious about that one a little bit before we get into really the problems that you're solving over there with spots um just in terms of like building that that network and uh, that you can rely on uh, because there's a lot of you know newer entrepreneurs and and maybe even some established entrepreneurs out there who uh, maybe don't have much of a network would like to like to have a stronger network um any advice on that like how do you develop that, that that network? Because man, it can be lonely sometimes as a founder.
1: It certainly can. I think, you know, if I'm being honest and, and after testing throughout the years, I'm more of an introvert by nature. And yeah, and one thing I did early on to solve that was just found a networking group um, yeah. and really got creative around who was on that so I could meet the right people. So I leaned into my weakness a little bit, but I think if, you know, if I was talking to a, a somebody that's a little bit younger and less of a network, I, I just think, Don't look at it as a a transaction. I think it's really easy in networking to start wondering what somebody can can do for you instead of being more about, hey, how can I help and and really understand why you're doing what you're doing and why you're interested in being an entrepreneur and and talk from that perspective of of what is driving you. And you'll be surprised how many people will lean in and be be willing to help out a lot. So it's just having that open mind, get out there, be uncomfortable and uh, talk about why you're doing what you're doing instead of just what you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is one of the things that I always tell people too, from a networking standpoint. There's lots of different organizations, lots of networks that you can join. Whether that's you know BNI's or local business associations or or, or chambers and so on. Right? There's a there's a lot of them. Um, and so if you're kind of new to it, I always recommend like get involved with that organization. Don't just become a member, but join a committee or join the board or something. Because now you're going to you know, build a deeper network of connections that are usually the people who are standing up, you know, standing up and putting up their hand and saying, yeah, I'll be part of that community or whatever, ever are involved in the community. They themselves have a bigger network. And so you get to really connect with the right people, the people who are willing to stand up and push forward and help these organizations, which are helping other businesses too. And so you end up around the right kind of people too. I really like that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I think a professor said this to me once I've shared it with my son and I've shared it a, a lot. And I, it, it talks about you could go to you know, do school for, let's say you're going for a business degree or whatever it might be. And so are all yep. the students around you. And they're talking to a lot of the same professors. If you want to be ahead of them, you have to figure out how to extract more out of that professor. So what are you what are you yeah. pulling out that other people aren't getting? And I think it's yeah. the same for networking. So everybody can show up. You can join. You can do all those things. But you got to go. you got to go get it and pull it out extract more value and that's gonna ultimately let you leverage up a little bit.
0: That's such a great piece of advice. I've never heard that before, but that is so, so true, isn't it? And it's the same thing with regard to the mentors or the people that you have within your network. And what goes back to what you were talking about is don't be afraid to ask the questions and dig a little bit deeper um, because most people are there willing to help, willing to give advice, right? And, you know, it's not, you you might not be advice that you're going to actually use. You might not completely agree with it, but it gives you a different perspective at the very least. um, And something to think about and to stimulate, you know, your thinking as you're trying to, uh, you know, resolve whatever problem or issue that you might be having. And so it's the same thing, extract the value. It's up to you. There's a tremendous amount of value out there with everybody that you bump into. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Okay, so enough about that. That's not what we're here to talk about networking. We're here to talk a little bit about your business and some of the things that you're trying to solve and then also your journey, which I want to get into your story in a minute. But first, what is it that Spots is doing? What problem are you trying to solve? Tell us a little bit about the company.
1: Great question. So, you know, we we kind of focus on three key areas. I mean, spots in its simplest form. If I were just kind of throw it out in a quick elevator, it's it's easy to understand. And there's a lot of cliches around the Airbnb of whatever, but it's it's sort of true in our our space. We're a lot like Airbnb, but for all the non overnight stay community spaces, whether it's a a large sports complex, an event venue, down to the back room of your favorite coffee shop, a cool driveway backyard, we don't really care what the space looks like. We Our tagline is d place for any space Mm -hmm. and the problem we're really solving is there's three three big issues number one in most cases there's just no awareness of all the amazing spaces that could be rentable around us yeah you know you get a a place the size of madison wisconsin nobody would know that the parks department alone not recreation just parks has 700 rentable spaces wow and that's something available (laughs) to the public at all times so or, you know, seasonally if it's, uh, if it's dead of winter, but so there's no awareness of what's around you, or if, you know, if it's on a restaurant, maybe you have to find it on their website or know somebody, you know, so it's the yeah. awareness piece. It's the accessibility. There's no access to one place to go find that, you know, search for what you want, maybe get creative about, you know, what you're looking to do if you're in Wisconsin in the dead of winter and you want to get, you know, solve some cabin fever with your kids, like, what are some creative ideas or things that you could go do and look for? So awareness, access. And then finally, hosts need to have some tools to do that, you know, especially in a post pandemic era, era, they need to understand who's going to be in my space. What are you trying to accomplish? How many yeah. people? Are there any amenities or things that you need? So really need the tools to be able to manage that effectively. So we solve those three things and try to do it in a really flexible and fun way, but also very careful about how we go to market to kind of build those communities. But That's what spot solves we try to solve those problems and 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 just do it in a way that's really accessible to to all and uh be very careful about how we we go market to market and do that
0: i absolutely fascinated by this business because it is truly something that's needed uh no question about it so our business um and then also some of the organizations that i'm involved with are often in need of different kinds of spaces that we want to rent and so um, like you said it's just you don't know where to turn to for that, and so when I'm looking for, you know, a, a place to stay in a city that I uh, am going to be visiting, yeah, there's Airbnb, there's VRBO, and there's Hotels.com. You know, those are kind of my three that are pretty, pretty centralized. They really bring together a lot of the properties that I might be interested in, really slick and easy. But when it comes to other kinds of spaces. It's a hodgepodge out there of trying to figure out, okay, well, where is that reservation platform? And then it's a, such an ordeal oftentimes because it's, you're just sending emails back and forth as opposed to having everything centralized, the information, I could fill out everything, they can get back to me with an accurate quote, uh, availability, uh, all of those kinds of things are just such a nightmare when you're trying to rent other kinds of venues. So this is, I, I see the need completely.
1: Yeah, we're we're excited about it. I think it's you know it's a simple business in some respects, but how you attack the market is pretty critical. Um, and yeah. yeah, you're you're ta- you hit it on the head on a lot of the resources. I talked to a friend who had thousand. Uh, he was his daughter was one of a thousand teenage girls in Minneapolis for a dance recital, and he he was saying if I just had a little room where I could rent inexpensively for her to practice, that wasn't in a hallway or somewhere for her to build her confidence. You know, th- those are things that could be really easily handled if there was just a means or a way to do that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be expensive. We go to the typical things we think in a hotel or all that, and there's no, you know, that could be expensive. There's no real price transparency. Um, and there's just a lot of great venues, especially even locally, if you're trying to think and buy local. Yeah. It's just knowing what's out there. And, and we don't always know about the cool back rooms or basements <laughs> or things like that that could be, you know, really exciting or a unique venue to hold. rehearsal dinner or a birthday party whatever it might be
0: well and for a lot of these organizations who have some infrastructure that is sitting empty most of the time right uh that they're still heating they're still running the power to they're still doing all those things if they can extract a little bit of revenue that's going to offset those costs i mean that can make a big difference to different organizations and one of the ones that comes to mind that i was just recently in here in edmonton was um there's a lawn bowling facility they have an incredible Um, you know, outdoor space, but the incredible indoor space too, that just sits empty all winter long. And that would be, again, like just an ideal thing where every, if if people understood what the space was and could actually figure out a way to rent it easily, they'd be booked up solid. But the absence of understanding that or knowing that it's there and the transparency of that is limiting that. Now let's get into that though a little bit in terms of like for this business, Mm you're really needing to build both sides of the market at the same time, right? You need the supply in terms of the venues, in terms of the spaces um, before you can rent anything out. Um, But uh, it's tough, I would imagine, to try to get everybody to sign up there um, when you don't have the audience yet who's booking, right? So the value proposition for them is kind of pushed into the future sometimes. It's like, yeah, 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 I'm gonna get people You know who are going to be interested in your space they're going to be coming but first i need to get you loaded into the system so talk to me a little bit about that and the challenges that come with building both at the same time
1: yeah it's that's a great you know you, you hit nail on the head there and that's exactly how we have to think about it i it's really easy to, you know, having been in business a while and you have a network and you could, you could, you know, start shouting about your company from the mountaintops, but we have to be you know, pretty strategic in how we do that. So we choose our communities very carefully. The ones that are vibrant, there's have unique venues and, and when you're the place for any space, your ideal customer profiles, which a lot of the tech world's built around is massive. And massive, I think that's yeah. why a lot of people don't go after this. So we really have to narrow that down to what makes sense to build that community feel and always like the core of our DNA thinking about we want to leave a community, a spots community feeling good when we, when we're gone. So we want to build that sense of community and that closeness first. Um, I shouldn't say when we're gone, but when we're moving to launch the next community. So we really don't talk about a lot and we really don't focus on anything but the hosts and we do it in a hat in hand sort of matter and say, Hey, you know, we're we're not charging you up front, uh, but we're going to spend a lot of marketing dollars in your area to attract attention to you. Something you usually pay for up front. So, you know, yep. here's how we operate. Here's what it's like being part of the spots community. Sign on, build out your profiles, make yourself look really good and be ready. Right. Your worst case scenario is you're going to have 10 minutes or I'm sorry, 10 minutes. Of your time could be burnt and you don't get any rentals like that's your worst case. Uh, best case, you start getting leads that you didn't have to put a whole lot of effort into and you don't have to decide right away right i mean people request that booking you can communicate back and forth and figure out if it's the right fit for you so that is a challenge but we have an internal metric of what number of spaces we monetize spaces we don't necessarily worry about how many hosts we have because a host could have 700 spaces or one uh, but we we have kind of a, a number that we shoot to in a market where we get to a certain, um, you know, 100 or 200 spaces before we start marketing to end users and saying, hey, come look at the app. There's some really cool spaces for you to look at. And then we try yeah. to get to a certain critical mass within each community before we, we shift that to more digital marketing and move on to the next. But, but it's really that ratcheting up of making sure you have a blend of the right spaces. And the reason it's not a set number is because if I had, you know, we landed a customer that had, you know, maybe it was a parks and rec and they had a lot of parks facilities you know, that's not really a, a good mix or variety for the end user. So we want some different creative things, whether it be meeting space, event space, athletic fields, so that they have a, a variety to look at um, until we feel like we've got that critical mass. And then a little bit of the eating your own dog food, so to speak. You know, when we get to a certain stage and then we'll host a spots party and a rental on our platform for those hosts to kind of gather and share information and and you know, really come up with some best practices. It also helps us find our local area champions and could be a, a feeder program for future employees as well. So this is all a little we're a little early than a, than a lot of that, but that's kind of the, the general idea of how we go to market and then the, the stories that we want to tell. And the last thing I'll say to that is the cool part is is just the stories, right? I mean, we will have yeah. access to some really unique ideas and things that are going on and and be able to showcase some pretty interesting um, you know events and things like that, that kind of spur people's creativity and just telling the stories of what goes on in local communities, that's, that's pretty exciting to I me. Mean, I think that'll be fun.
0: Yeah, totally, right? It's about uh, really, really allowing those communities uh, to have collisions, I think, amongst the individuals a little bit more than what they typically would because now you're really encouraging gatherings as well, which is just such a powerful thing, especially post-pandemic. Um, I mean, that's one of the things that I know every downtown, for sure, across well around the world, I'm sure, is uh, is really struggling with. And it's okay. How do we create those, bring those people back, and create community again in those open spaces and 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 whatnot? So you're you're part of that solution. So so one of the things that uh, I, I I just jotted down here as you were talking is I was just thinking, okay, well, from like a runway of cash right the cash you need on hand to to work through the runway time that you need in order to develop the software um and get the app and everything else functioning but then also to onboard all of these different you know venues and spaces and the communities Mm -hmm. before you can even start to really start to market to people to use it and i presume that you're getting some sort of uh you know, a, a percentage of transaction or something like that as well. So so you're probably not front end loading too much on the uh, on the revenue side. So that runway has got to be pretty well funded. So talk to me about that. Any challenges you've had to overcome there? What has that experience been like for you guys?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, funding is always a challenge. I think that's just a, yeah. a common. It's probably the fourth fourth or maybe it's first or one through three in our earlier discussion about the things you need to know as an entrepreneur. Yeah, um, it's it does. However, I, I think there's some advantages to probably both where we are located in the country initially. I mean, being a Midwest company, yeah, I've had the fortune of my career taking me all over. But you know, we just we do things a little bit more efficiently. I mean, I've had things from big teams to small, and there's ways to go about this business in a really efficient manner to build up that host side and be strategic about the cost. So we haven't raised as much as probably a lot of companies to get to our stage. I mean, we have a product in the market and and do have revenue. We are in a second funding round. It it doesn't require a massive amount um, if you're strategic about how you launch communities, but it is an upfront spend. So for me, it's about being smart with how we outsource the right roles versus what we have in-house and stay in court are really what we need to do to execute at these few stages. I think it's really easy for entrepreneurs and companies. When you get a little funding, you get excited about being a real company, whatever that term yeah. may mean. And yeah. you start spending in areas that you just don't need. So we have to get yeah. a, re- a return on every one of our dollars in the form of a host, which is our inventory on a form of a renter. And if it's not one of those two, we just don't need it right now. So while that is true, we've done it in a very efficient way. Um, what it takes to run the business isn't as big as a lot of businesses out there because we don't have a big capital expenditure. Our software is built, so now it's about enhancements and making it better and and really timing that right ratcheting to where it's built. you know, appear a little bit more for the host versus when it starts to turn and feel a little bit more for the end user and, and finding spaces. So working through those things right now, we're pretty honest about where we are in the market. Um, but yeah, it's, it is definitely an upfront spend, but it's not a, it's, it's not exponentially as high as I thought a a business like this would need to be. Um, we Mm -hmm. feel if we're strategic and go after, um, these markets and really built out a financial model that makes sense. So we know what we need to spend in a market to get it to turn. And once you can kind of build that math out, it's, it's a lot more attractive proposition to investors because they can see, that you're, you're not just guessing you're, you're, you really put some programming to this and they can tell exactly what they're investing in.
0: So if you don't mind, I'd love to peel back another layer there into one of the areas that you're talking about. And that was in terms of like really knowing what team members you need to have internally versus ones that you can maybe outsource some of that, which kind of goes back to one of the things that you said at the beginning um, in those, you know, to the well, the top one, the first thing you said in terms of things every entrepreneur needs to know, which is know what you're not good at <laughs> so that you can, you know, build that support and, and internally or externally and so on. But I think this is something that a lot of businesses really struggle with and has such a tremendous, a tremendous impact on the cash flow of the business is knowing what roles you really need to have internal versus. What roles can you do some sort of fractional engagement on? Um, can you tell me a little bit how you navigated that? Like, uh, how were you strategic about that? Why were you the guy who was able to figure that challenge out better than maybe somebody else?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I don't know if it's about me being a guy or more about the gray hairs on my head and having <laughs> stuffed in it a, a few different ways in the past. and. You know, my career was a lot about helping companies get turned around, and I will say this to anybody who will listen, I learned a hundred times more from every difficult situation and everything that was poorly run than I did from anything that went well. Yeah. yeah, And there's a lot of value to that. I think it takes a lot of fear out of outsourcing certain roles when you know how to do that and you find the right partners with the right you know, service level agreements or what terms you want to use to, to put on those. But for us, we, we do three things. I mean, number one, we want to be an engineering company. First, we want to make sure that our software is built in such a way that it achieves our mission. We don't, um, we're not trying to be event planners. We're not trying to get upstream into that. We want to be the best at, you know, matchmaking for spaces for people that need a space out there and everything else we can tie in or partner, et cetera. So, we want to stay ahead of that and make it super easy to use. Um, so we, we need to make sure we have our technical talent early on. That's you have to outsource in order to be able to afford it. Um, but we'll have a blend over time of in and out. Um, we need sales to get uh, the hosts onboarded. However, we're not selling anything that costs money up front, So that's another thing where you can outsource. We, we can have a smaller team here that just knocks off a, a meeting, but we can have appointment centers that, that are very inexpensive Mm. to tell our front side of the story and create yep. more reach. That creates a lot of efficiencies for us as well. And then the last big piece, um, well, I guess part of the sales in my mind is also the customer satisfaction. I feel like that's, in my view, sales is an ongoing customer satisfaction yeah. situation. Yep. People are happy, they know how to maximize their profiles and and help us help you look good, right? If you're uploading terrible pictures, we're all gonna look bad. So yeah. well, let's think about that a little bit about your space. So I would lump that in. And then the last piece is, is marketing. Obviously we're a marketing driven engine and that's very critical. Given that it's critical, it would be very easy for me to want to own all that internally. Um, But there's a lot of people that have done this before and great partnerships to build. And that's where I really like leveraging my network. We've had the fortune of working with a couple of great companies that have become very close friends and investors of yeah. ours and and we most recently have settled on uh um uh, you know an outsourced company that uh you know rocket fuel labs i'm not ashamed to say who they are <laughs> they're they're awesome and That's and our fractional cmo is is amanda patterson who used to be the cmo of mind body uh two-sided oh. marketplace that yeah. you know went public and her team yeah. is outstanding they've been a um, great part of our team it, it does not feel any different than being um, you know, inside our walls or outside. And I think having a partnership like that is critical. So, you know, t- the big answer to your question is don't be afraid of it, but make sure you are, uh, you know, very strategic and vet a lot yeah. of companies and same thing as internal where people say, you know, um, high or slow, fire fast. You have to do the same thing with your partners, but it's really about the alignment ahead of time. And If you're going to truly partner with somebody on the outside, you, it's on you, me in this case, to make them feel like they're just as much a part of this team and passionate about it as anybody else. We do the same thing with our outsource sales. They have to talk to us directly,
0: mm-hmm. even
1: if there's management in between on their side. I want to hear them, hear their pitches, make sure they understand what we're running through and they have some passion for what we're doing. It's not that complicated, but if you try yeah. to sell it without any passion, you're going to yeah. sound like just some other cold caller on the phone. So, That's kind of what we did. It's critical to us. But you got to if you're going to partner, you got to truly partner and not just make it a a transaction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do really like that that uh, comment there that you made. Uh, And and it is definitely worth emphasizing in terms of really, really uh, treating that partner uh like the vendor partner the outsource partner Mm -hmm. as as a critical piece just like you would with an internal and taking the same type of care and attention in that selection and then cultivating that relationship and training and everything else I, i i really think that that's a step that a lot of people miss uh fire on a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in terms of it's like well you know they're an outsource company they're external they they should know exactly what they should be doing and everything else and and we expect the results without necessarily putting the same amount of investment into that relationship as what it would warrant because it's such a critical part of your overall success right so yeah that's a good point um, i want to get into uh, your entrepreneurial journey though a little bit your story because uh this is fascinating to me and i think it's the the audience is mm-hmm. going to be really Uh, fascinated too so this started back when you were 15 and you shared with me that you had 47 different jobs by the time and like little side hustles and everything else by the time you graduated college. And so, uh, you know, that's a, a mind blowing number <laughs> that a lot of people are probably gonna be wondering, <laughs> okay, what, what, how did this happen? Okay, so, so walk us through that, take us back, you're 15 years old um, and you start to become really entrepreneurial driven. Why and, uh, and what's the backstory there?
1: Yeah, it, you know, it actually, it came to me. It started probably slightly earlier than that. The real quick story is, I, know yeah. first entrepreneurial journey was actually selling night crawlers, and uh, I figured out through my my father, who was a southern hillbilly uh, from southern Ohio, and uh, he taught me how to find night crawlers when nobody else could. And it's probably not the most humane way to do it with a with an old uh, electrical cord and extension cord, but. You know, when when everybody else had to drive in northern Wisconsin, where I was from, had to drive 15 miles to find any others, I would double my price if I was the only one that had them around because I could figure out how to get them out of the ground when nobody else could. So that's probably where it it started. I made a few people a little bit mad, but pay an extra couple bucks to a kid or you can drive another 15 miles. So I'll I'll credit my late father for that. And that was a it was kind of funny back then. But uh, but yeah, it started there. And I, I, we got some news that my mother was sick when I was uh, in high school. Um, it was a terminal situation. I will say that it was grim then six months, but she's alive today, which is kind of amazing. Wow. And uh, yeah, um, so just to cover on that piece, but, but we, you know, they had split up and it was up to me to kind of be the breadwinner. Um, so yeah, I just had to figure it out. I started you know, found, had some good friends that had a building company. I started swinging a hammer and building houses and and just leaned into the work side of things. I sprayed yeah. ginseng gardens because that had good pay. You had to get certified for, for that. I I, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but I faked the CDL to drive a cement truck because they were paying <laughs> well for a while. And uh, <laughs> you, you name it, trimming Christmas trees. I worked at a, I, I was an operator for backhoe and bulldozers and and uh, just anybody that needed work to be done and just built a reputation around I would just work really hard and and get things done. So there was odd jobs and people were throwing cash around. I was the first one to, to show up and it carried through college. I, I tried to go, I went I didn't say, tried, I went to school for business and played some basketball there too. But even around that, I built houses and bartend and whatever, whatever thing you could, you could find to pay you. Somebody somewhere out there at yeah. one point, I modeled some ocean Pacific swimwear. So I'm still to <laughs> this day crossing my fingers that those pictures don't surface. <laughs> getting the, the wrong hands of my friends. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, you, you, do, you do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. And I think that, that mentality just, it, you know, it's, it's no pat on my back. It's just something I, mean, I was the one going through it. So it's the help my family needed my mom needed. And, uh, you know, we just dug in and did it. And, you know, I'm, I'm better for it today. I've, I've learned a lot. I know a lot about, or a little about a lot of things probably. Um, but it's, uh, it certainly has fueled my fire to to deliver on, on something a little bit bigger. And I'm pretty excited about what we can do for communities now. When I look at our business now as there, there's just goodness all the way around. There's nothing we do that's negative for anybody. And that goes core to how I grew up. So, uh, yeah, it's a long story. It's a crazy story. It's one I don't tell very often, but I, uh, I'm, sur- I'm very fortunate for some of those things.
0: Yeah. And and I at the very beginning, uh, I introed the episode saying that this was going to be, you know, one dripped in in uh, grit and determination. And so um, talk to me a little bit about that, like mindset. Like how does how how did that come? I mean, obviously out of necessity a bit, but how do you sustain that? Um, and any advice that you would maybe give other entrepreneurs who are bumping into challenges? I mean, you've had a life of of getting through those, like just through sheer determination. Um, but uh, so it's all second nature for you. But somebody, what kind of advice would you give them if they're bumping into things where it's just like, man, this is, life is getting to me?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Like for me, I, I go back to, you know, h- how bad can it be, right? I mean, whatever I deal with in a day today, how bad can it be? And, yeah, you know, it, there's a story that you know, I remember all the time because... <laughs> you know, we, we had an alarm on our septic system, right. That would, when it would go off, that thing needed to be empty and you know, we're in the middle of the <laughs> yeah. woods. And if you don't have a lot of money, you can't really afford to have a truck come take care of that. So you're, you're packing up and rigging a situation and 200 hose in the middle of the night to handle that. I just remember being, yeah, I hated that sound, right. The sound of that alarm was the worst <laughs> for me because I don't care how tough people like to think they are. I man. I'm six, six. I'm a big dude. Yeah. People think you're tough. and you, you don't want to walk outside in the woods in the middle of the night and do something like that. That's yeah, so yeah, freaky. Yeah. So, you know, and then my watch my mom when she's sick and taking care of that and knowing that, okay, they said six months, it's six months and one day or 10 days or 20 days. So for me, it's, it's just having that perspective of like how bad is it really what you might be dealing with now? Because mm. there's definitely worse and there's other people that are dealing with worse. And what did you do in those moments? Like, how did you find the courage to do it? Or was it even courage? Or did you just say, hey, this is just the, the task that I need to accomplish. And my little way to keep myself grounded now is I like to hike and climb mountains. And I usually do it by myself. But I, it's, it, it for me, it's a lot like entrepreneurship in that the only way to get to those views and see that is just one step at a time. You take yeah. some breaks, the past, not how you always see it. There's a lot of false summits along the way that are. Super annoying if you never <laughs> had it yeah. in certain areas before, but it's that yeah. same kind of thing. you just got to stick with it, and it's always going to be worth it. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes you can't be foolish and you, know, you need to turn around if something's just not right. But I just think it's the perspective around take your experiences, how bad can it be, lean on your resources, and just really figure out where you're the strongest. And for me, it's when I've been backed in a corner and I've had to come up with a way. I've always been able to do that. And that gives me a great sense of comfort when things get tough.
0: Yep. Trust in yourself, trust in your ability to overcome. Right. And, uh, and like you said, the what you perceive right now to be an unbearable challenge, life has a funny way of helping you get through that. And then giving you another one at the other end of that, that is like, oh my God, now this is a challenge. (laughs) Right. So, so in the rear view mirror, (laughs) All of these challenges kind of pale in comparison to the thing that you're dealing with in the moment that you're in right now, but you know you're gonna get through it. Um, just determination, right, grit, right. um, one step at a time. Yeah, love it. Okay. So now if you were to go be able to send a letter back in time to your younger entrepreneurial self, so your 15 year old night crawling uh entrepreneur that you were, <laughs> uh what what would you tell yourself? What would be in that letter?
1: Yeah, I I, I th- that's a tough one in a lot of ways, but if I were to go back and do that now, I, I just think I would have encouraged myself to leap a little bit sooner. I think it's really easy to get sucked into doing what ever society may suggest from going to school, and I'm not knocking any of that. I mean, obviously, I have a degree yeah. and, and go through these different career paths, and, but just do a little bit more self-reflection early. Don't predetermine what you think you sh- you're supposed to do or even worry about the money side of it so much. I mean, I was fixated on mm-hmm. not being poor anymore. So I wanted to be a stockbroker because <laughs> in my little area, that sounded like the fantasy land of money. I hated it. The market went nothing but up and I was probably pretty good at it. I hated that. I had no control <laughs> of the market. There's nothing about <laughs> entrepreneurship really in there in my mind. And it just, it sucked. So, yeah, and I had to learn that, but the point the point being is like, be true to the things that matter to me and, and be open to do a couple of things and really learn and pay attention to where you feel the most passionate, where does your stride come in and, and where do you succeed? And if I would have thought about that earlier and what got me to that point, I was so looking for a way to get out of the situation I was in that I wasn't understanding how valuable the situation was to the abilities it would give me sooner probably than most to be successful in entrepreneurship or whatever area you may choose. So. That's tough to ask of a young kid, so it's easy to go back <laughs> and, and look yeah. at, but I just think it's really easy to be stubborn when you're young and instead of open-minded about what all is potentially out there. Um, and I would would probably get myself to reflect a little better, chill out, be open-minded, um, maybe drop a little bit of the attitude and the pig-headedness that uh, helped me in some ways, but probably hurt me in some others, but I, I just think it'd yeah. be... It'd be a, The overarching theme would be a little bit more reflective of what my strengths and weaknesses are and lean into those sooner.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds like a great piece of advice. So now I know there's going to be people who are going to want to learn more about you, learn more about the business spots, as well as just connect. What's the best way uh, for people to do that?
1: Yeah, I think email is the best way. Probably a little slower response, but um, Jackson at findspots.com or through LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to connect with me. I think it's uh, spots founder on LinkedIn and love to connect. I mean, we are, we're aggressive about our growth We're we're talking to a few different firms and, and some funding right now. So that's, that's super important to us, but we are on the edge of some pretty exciting things. And, and, uh, love having conversations like this. I've shied away from a lot of them, <laughs> probably for a lot of reasons, personal and professional, but, yeah. um, this is the way you guys approach it's been great and i'm super excited to have this discussion it's it's probably good for me too but love to love to talk to people that can help advance what we're trying to do and as we pick our next communities and certainly um, really appreciate you know the way you approach this and what you guys are doing as well
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us today, James. Really appreciate you sharing your story. And for those of you who are listening, really enjoyed this episode, want to check out the other episodes, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find the archive. And of course you could search um, Amplify Your Business on your favorite podcasting platform. You're going to find us there as well. Now I also want to just real quickly let everybody know that we are doing an entrepreneur symposium where we've invited 12 uh, experts to come in and talk to people virtually about, what it's going to take to basically take your businesses to the next level in 2024. It's a completely free symposium that's part of this Amplify Your Business brand. And I want to invite you, James, as well as everybody else to attend that just head over to our website, amplemedia.com, and you're going to be able to see a learn button. Click on that, and you'll see the link to the symposium. That is going to get you the information you need to really, really accelerate the growth of your business in 2024. So hope everybody enjoyed this episode, checks out that symposium, and until the next episode, I wish you a prosperous day. Thanks again, James.